name is Megan Smalley, and I'm with Recycling Today magazine. Welcome to the Fresh Perspective podcast. I'm here today with Bryce Dahlkup, who is the Recycling Operations Manager at Waste Commission of Scott County, which is based in Davenport, Iowa. Bryce's first experience with the waste and recycling industry was a part-time job with the Waste Commission of Scott County more than a decade ago. In 2010, after graduating from college with a degree in conservation and environmental science, the Waste Commission of Scott County hired Bryce full-time as a special waste coordinator. He's been with the Waste Commission of Scott County since then and is currently its recycling operations manager. Thanks for coming on the show today, Bryce. How are you doing? Thanks, good, how are you doing? Pretty good. So to start things off, I'd love to learn more about what it was like for you when you first engaged in the waste and recycling industry. So you were working part-time at the Waste Commission of Scott County in high school. Could you tell me more about that experience? Sure. So I was actually um, between high school and college is when I graduated high school. I found a job from a friend at uh, a local landfill and it just happened to be the Waste Commission's landfill uh, in Scott County. So I started there crushing tires and removing uh, scrap metal from tires and basically doing any work no one else wanting to do, wanted to do, picking up litter. I got to operate some equipment because I had a farming background and the, the manager gave me an opportunity to do that. And most seasonals, he, he wouldn't do that. Demanufacturing appliances uh, while the full-time guys operated in equipment. So yeah, it was something that I, uh, I planned on doing just for a summer job before I went to college and never intended on coming back. And the cards just fell, uh, fell that way. And I, I did. Awesome. Now, most people don't end up working full-time for the part-time jobs that they had in high school or college, but that's exactly what happened for you. So when it was just a part-time job, did you ever consider this might be a career someday? What's kind of kept you at the company for the past 10 years? When it was a part-time job, no, it never crossed my mind that it was going to be a career. I just enjoyed the work. I enjoyed being outdoors. I enjoyed the people that I worked with. I thought I was going off into uh, go to college and go into the business world or uh, something with environmental science. I didn't know exactly where I wanted to be. I had farming in my background. So I'm like, I, eh, I, could, I could do any of that. When I went to college, I, I, cha- I started out as a business major and then I, I melded myself into moving into environmental science and conservation and, and then I minored in business. And when I uh, was a senior, an environmental technician job came open and I needed a job out of college. And I saw I was applying everywhere. I knew the Waste Commission was a good place to work and had good people. So I thought it was a good opportunity to just get my feet wet um, and see what the industry was about. Uh, so I, I ended up getting the job and I started out in our hazardous material facility, sorting hazardous material from residents and businesses at every opportunity. And that was at the time stationed at our landfill. At every opportunity I had, I'd help out at other facilities. Uh, I asked, you know, where, where can I be of assistance? Can I fill in for people when they're off? We had a couple different recycling facilities, an electronics one and a, uh, at the time, a dual stream MRF. Um, so anytime people were on vacation, I'd go and I'd be an operator at one of those facilities and help out any way that I could, which I, I found myself seeing that there was growth opportunity. When I, when I started with the commission, there was probably 20 people but I saw where it was going and, and opportunities were opening up. A, a position came open, a special waste coordinator, which, which was for the landfill, working with special waste that came from local industry. 
Um, and also it dabbled in safety and being the person that uh, was in charge of safety for the commission. So went into that and we did that for a few years and we continued to grow. And I moved into the recycling operations manager position that I'm in today. So at Waste Commission of Scott County, you're mostly focused on the recycling operations, the MRF now. So tell me more about the MRF. What are the technologies that the Waste Commission of Scott County is using and how has the MRF advanced in the past decade that you've been there? Yeah, okay, so, oh, I've probably been with, uh, I've been the operations manager at the Recycling Center for probably six years now. I've been with the commission 11 total. We started off as a dual stream facility in 1995 and in 2016, we can uh, we began converting to single stream. So we shut down our dual stream facility. Um, we actually had a, a little hoop building. We put a baler in that we bailed mixed paper in. We processed about 7,000 tons a year then. Now it seems very small. Well, we only had a few staff people. Um, so since then, we uh, I was part of uh, basically adding on to our, our MRF that we, it was a dual stream, it was a part of putting all the equipment in that was single stream equipment in 2016. So learned a lot through those experiences, learned how to manage projects, learned how to manage people. So we installed that equipment, we opened, and we have not stopped growing since that point, since the day we opened in 2016. We started off, we needed about 15,000 tons to be able to stay open as a facility. Um, so we secured that. To date, um, we're up to about 40,000 tons. Uh, we operate multiple shifts. As far as technologies go, you know, and, and technologies just continue to advance. When we built the facility in 2016, we thought we were going to be a lot smaller. So we didn't have an optical sorter. We did have eddy currents. People were doing the majority of the work outside of a, an OCC screen, a CP screen, a magnet, and an eddy current. But in 2019, uh, with our growth, um, we added a, an optical sorter, a dual optical sorter to capture more paper and all the PET. Continually, we're looking at, at more. So we're looking at more optical sorters over our fiber lines. We're also looking at uh, other AI technology to tell us what we're missing in our residue um, instead of operators actually going and tallying, making estimates. We're looking at the technology that will tell us live what we're missing so we can make changes to our um, facility. And back in 2016, when I was learning about single stream, I never ever would have guessed it would be to this level um, where we're really trying to make sure we're capturing uh, everything we can. It wasn't a problem back then because it wasn't a, a ton of material and now um, it's, it's just continued to grow. So it sounds like the MRF added a lot of technology since you started there. What are some things that you've learned since adding the opticals and looking into artificial intelligence and all of that? Yeah, so I learned a lot of things I didn't expect to learn. We learned in some cases that, hey, we're, we're missing more than we thought we were, or we aren't in some instances. We're actually doing better than we thought. Uh, you know, we would, before we invested in certain technology, we will look at, okay, um, does it make sense? Is it going to pay itself off? Are we going to recycle more it's by doing bail breaks, uh, by doing tally studies, those types of things? Um, and we were able to find that in some cases we were right, in some cases we weren't. I would say for the most part, that was the biggest thing that I've learned. I've learned that technology continues and continues to grow and change that just when you when you have something new there's a newer uh, thing that comes out that you're looking into i think it's also important to sit back and look at what you have 
and not get too caught up in all the updates. Um, that's sometimes what you have is doing just fine and that uh, you give it a little time in uh, five, six years or something that's gonna be better and at that point it's the time to invest in it. We try not to just follow what we're missing or follow the money. We try to also consider um, that we're recycling as much as we can for our community. It's why we're here. We're here to make sure that uh, we're providing the service that uh, as economical as we can for Scott County and uh, about a two hour radius that brings material to us. Awesome. And do you have any like best practices or tips that you would offer our listeners on operating MRF efficiently or things that you've learned at the MRF that have stuck with you over the years? You know, I think the first thing I would say is the details really matter. It didn't take me long to figure out that if you don't invest and understand the people that you have working with you, you'll have a really weak team. So I guess really what our leadership group has focused on over these last many years as we grew from 20 people to 70 uh, commission wide, um, there's about 45 of us at the recycling center that having a really strong group of leaders is what creates a strong group or creates a strong team. Um, so we've really doubled down on that. We try to develop that le leadership style. And when I said focus on the details, we focus on little things, disciplines that um, seem so simple. So having 5S cleaning stations and having people assigned to cleaning areas every day. Um, it's not all about production. If your facility looks like a bomb went off in it, um, it's not safe, people aren't happy to be there, uh, and you'll have high turnover. High turnover is, is an issue and a challenge that we have throughout this industry anyway. So if we can have you know, our operators, our sorters, discipline, um, and caring, and they care what the facility looks like, uh, that team grows. And it's, it's really taken us time. I mean, when we were a small, small recycling center, it was pretty easy to have a strong team because there wasn't many of us. But when you had in more personalities, add in so many different types of people, people that want to make this a career, people that it's just a job in passing, you have to focus on the details, details in hiring, right? We've really moved instead of hiring for skills, which we still look at, obviously, we're hiring the person. If this person is a good person that's committed, that wants to do well, that wants to continually improve, that is driven, that has ideas, we can train those people how to do anything. We've actually brought the majority of our operators and even some of our leadership now in as sorters. And some of those sorters had four-year degrees when we hired them. So yeah, focusing on the details is one of the biggest things that I've learned and focusing on your people, making them understand why quality is so important. Instead of just going to someone and say, hey, you're doing a horrible job on the line, pick better. They need to understand why, like the whole picture. So we sell recyclables. It's a commodity that we sell and we have customers that buy that. And we wanna make sure that quality is as good as possible so that's, that's the why. Um, and it also helps people down the line before or after you. Um, it's a, a team-based atmosphere. So give a little more explanation to people and they have a little more buy-in. Got it. Now you were talking a lot about, you know, the people aspect of the business and you even alluded to the fact that recruiting and retention, that's been a challenge for many companies in the industry. So do you have any insights on how the recycling industry can better recruit the next generation of workers and keep them in the industry. 
You know, recruiting is difficult. Uh, we still do it the old-fashioned way. We did notice that Facebook uh, has been huge for us in finding the right people. Uh, the questions you ask on your resume, we use a system where we ask specific questions to try to narrow down the field. We've learned that all types of people can do a sorting job, an operator job, um, that again, it comes down to the person wanting to do that job. So I guess the biggest advice that I would give people is focus on the right groups. Facebook has helped us, but think about what you really need in your facility. You need a team-based person. It's really hard to get that from resumes. So we interview a lot of people. We don't just interview a group of five. I just interviewed yesterday. We interviewed eight people. And the next Tuesday, we're going to interview another eight. And we're just looking for one position, one sorter. So it's a lot of time commitment, but if you don't commit that time to it, you're going to end up doing it again and again, or paying a company to do it for you. We do use temporary staffing agencies. We try not to, but uh, we do. Uh, it's just one of the necessary things you have to do. Um, and we try to replace those with full-time people. So I, I think the things that I talked about earlier of focusing on the people, getting to know the people, helping them understand why, letting, creating growth plans for everybody, doing annual at minimum reviews, in our sorter positions, we do monthly five to 10 minute monthly sit downs. Uh, our supervisors and leads will sit down with sorters to let them know, here's where you are in your, in your pick counts and production. Um, here's how you can get better. You're doing a great job. People need to hear they're doing well or not. And I've learned that some of the hard conversations that you have to have with people are some of the best to have. So when you're recruiting, I think a lot of it comes from who you currently have. Um, and them going out and telling people you should work for the Waste Commission. One of our best ways to get people, uh, we started a program where we offer a bonus if someone um, recommends somebody, they come on and stay with us and are in good standing after six months. And this, that's something fairly new. Anybody that we've gotten as a recommendation has been great. And I think those recommendations stem back from being a good place to work, someone that cares about you, where we're all one team. I'm making it sound like we're perfect and we are not at all, but we, I think if you continually look at yourself as a, as a leader and say, I need to grow, how can I grow literally every day? What am I doing wrong? What can I do better? What am I doing well? That your leaders under you will ask those same questions of themselves and of their teams and you'll just be a better place to work. It's about little taking little bites at a time. If, you're coming into a facility. If I came into a facility now and I was brand new, a brand new leader, I would first go get to know the people. I would understand what they're concerned with. I would see if there's any safety concerns and I would try to just start fixing the low hanging fruit with them instead of me just going and fixing it and saying, now you're doing this, involve your people, create the culture and they'll find people to work for you in the end. Awesome. Thanks for those insights. I think a lot of people are trying to figure out how to solve that question of recruiting, retention. Now, shifting gears to just more lighthearted question here. What do you do for fun outside the waste and recycling industry? I know you mentioned you have a farm or you grew up on a farm. You know, is that something you still do and how do you make time for all that? Time used to be a lot easier before I had uh, uh, three kids, that's for sure. So um, outside, when I'm not at work, I'm with my kids, I'm with my wife. Um, we really like to travel as much as the vacation will allow us. It's a, 
I'm a proponent that people should use vacation. They should go out, refresh themselves, whether they travel or they just go do something that they like to do. I think it's key. Um, something that I, I believe in and I try to, we have people at the Waste Commission that never take vacations and I basically have to beg them to go out and just do something that you enjoy. So yes, I, I uh, farmed and been a part of our family farm my whole life. So I'll go back and take long weekends, that type of thing, and, and help out on our farm. We have uh, corn and soybeans and some cattle. And it's a little ways for me, so it's a, it's a trip that my entire family comes on. Also coach all my kids' sports teams. We're coming into baseball and soccer season, so that keeps us crazy busy. We like to go hiking. We, we have, uh, in Iowa, we have uh, turkey hunting coming up, so I'll be taking my, my eight-year-old and seven-year-old boys out my daughter's six, so she'll be she'll be coming up soon, and she's she's dying to do it. She's a girly girl, but she loves being outside as well. She's kind of like my wife. So yeah, hiking, camping, fishing, hunting, uh, hanging out with friends. COVID's put a little uh, damper on that um, last year, but it's it's definitely getting better here, at least in Iowa. Um, so yeah, spending time with people that I like, you know, that's I think that's the key. So. You know, where do you see the waste and recycling industry heading in the next few years? You know, what kind of trends do you think MRFs will see pop up? Well, if you asked me this question before COVID, I probably would have given you a different answer. When COVID was, became a thing about a year ago, everything started changing uh, for our recycling center, for our landfill, in terms of the type of material and the amount of material we receive. And that kind of started shifting my opinion on what I think the future is going to be for waste and recycling. We started to see different types of recycling. The majority of what we get is residential at all of our facilities. And we do work with some business, but um, on, a, on a large scale, it's residential. So we see when people stay home and don't go to restaurants. And our tonnage increased pretty drastically at all of our facilities, which is, is a, it's a good and a bad thing. Um, and we just had to figure out how to manage that. The reason I feel like it shapes the way that we're moving is because it really makes me understand how, how one change, and it was a big change with, with COVID, can affect um, so many different pieces of the Waste Commission or of our community. I think people in our community especially are committed to recycling and being as responsible as possible, but also understanding that landfills are necessary. I do think there's going to be continued development with other diversion programs. We're continually focused on that within our recycling facilities and our waste facility. Um, how can we take more material out of our landfill? And at some point, um, one of the issues with that is our landfill really can help subsidize uh, recycling facilities like ours, the multiple that we have. Just it helps subsidize us. So if we have, if the markets are down or if, if something happens where well, like what we saw at the, in MRFs and in the price of paper over the last multiple years, we all had to basically regroup and establish new pricing structures. I think it's going to cause um, us to move a little bit faster. We have to do things differently um, as recycling and, and landfills. But I, I think the future is bright. We're going to be needed. Landfills are going to be needed for a long time, but I think that, that there will be a shift and change there. Recycling facilities like ours, just in the, in the five, six years we've been single stream, what we see, the amount we see and the types of material we see continues to change. 
think packaging is going to continue to change and we have to be on top of changing with it. At our electronics recycling facility, we see it even faster. Um, as fast as electronics come out is as fast as we have to figure out how to reuse, refurbish, and recycle them. So I think the future is bright. I think we're going to continue to work on technology. One of the toughest things that we have to face is that the technology replaces people. But in a lot of positions where that, uh, that technology is replacing people, it's hard to find people to work those jobs. So there's the argument of, is it really replacing people because they didn't want to do the job anyways? But I think there's going to be more robotics, more um, AI technology, more optical sortation and things that I'm, I'm not even thinking of. But I, I think in all, I think the future is bright for the industry. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Bryce. It's been great having you. Thank you. Thanks for having me.